Hello, I'm Christy Duncan, founder of Women in Payments, a global network that connects, inspires, and champions women across the global payments industry. Welcome to our Pause for Payments podcast. Every week, we sit down with an inspiring woman leading the way in her field. We'll discuss industry and career-related topics and share personal success stories to inspire and empower the next generation of women leaders. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsors for their continued support. With your help, we can go further, faster. Hello, I'm Christy Duncan. I'm delighted to be chatting today with Merdula Iyer, who's Head of Treasury and Trade Solutions at City, based in Mumbai. Welcome, Merdula. Hey, Christy. Hi, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Today, Madhula and I are going to be talking a little bit about many different topics from India's digital transformation agenda and the impact that's had on the payments ecosystem to ESG and innovation and talking about fintechs and partnerships. Really hot topic these days. But Madhula, let's start with uh, a little bit about your career journey and telling the audience about your how you got to where you are and what you do today at City. Oh. Thank you, Christy. So I joined City way back in 1996. Uh, City is my own employer, and the last 25 years with City has been awesome. Done multiple roles across various departments, and you know, City offers that given the breadth of and the scope of their operations. So I've done operations, compliance, risk and control sales, products, I mean, done it all. And uh, today I am managing the treasury and trade solutions business for South Asia, which is India, Sri Lanka, and Bangladesh. Very interesting business. And I think it is at the center of all the digital transformation that is happening globally, because that's what we do. We do payments for a living. Uh, We manage the liquidity and working capital of our corporate and institutional clients. So not a single day without excitement, Christy. (laughs) An amazing job and it's been an amazing journey for me so far. So really privileged to be here. Thank you. Well, what a what a great job and covering such a, a really interesting market with over a billion people. What's not to love about that? Sounds fantastic. I want to talk about digitization initiatives. And we've got this really interesting uh, but positive view, um, sorry, India's government-led digital transformation initiative. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it's impacted the payment ecosystem and perhaps what role City has played in this digitization transformation? It's been an absolutely fascinating uh, journey, I would say, for India, because in the last decade or so, I would say that we leapfrogged from being a very paper-intensive, cash-intensive economy uh, to a digital economy. And uh, that has been led by the government. Several digital initiatives that were driven by the government, not just in the world of payments, but across the board. Uh, and I think it was done, it is successful because it was done in a very calibrated manner. The first thing that the government did was to give a digital identity to every person in the country. It is called as the Aadhaar number. So that became like the foundation of creating the whole digital infrastructure. And then they went on to create uh, a whole digital ecosystem which was connected to APIs. So very interestingly, they tried to create a massive digital infrastructure wherein a lot of information, payments, everything could be accessed uh, at a click of a button through the API mechanism. 
Uh, and I must say that payments has been a very large beneficiary of this whole digital drive. Uh, payments in India has grown like even 60% in the last year or so. And UPI, it's like a world-class payment system now. Uh, it is on your mobile, very easy to use, real-time, 24 by 7, and the payment happens in like a few seconds. It is one of the state-of-art payment infrastructure that I have seen in my 25 years of banking. And UPI, the popularity of UPI has grown so tremendously over the last few years. It went from being almost nothing to now being about 4 billion transactions. So the digital infrastructure payment ecosystem in the country has really leapfrogged over the last few years. And I think we now have different channels of payment for whether you want to do high value payments, you want to do low value payments, or you just want to do instant payment. You have a channel for all of that. So huge choice for the consumer. Most of it can be initiated through your device, so convenience, ease of settlement, interoperable and very secure. So I think what the government and the central bank have really done is to create a digital ecosystem which has really pushed the digital agenda in the country and made it easier for all the consumers to get onto the digital platform. So yeah, I mean, it's been very exciting last few years for the country. Wow, I'm jealous. It sounds like a really fantastic and exciting journey, a great place to be at the moment. This is a, a really interesting transformation, and I want to talk about the impact on financial inclusion. Clearly, India has had in the past a, a large population of, of unbanked and underserved uh, people when it comes to financial services. Can you talk about how this whole digitization movement, if you will, has impacted some of the, the financial inclusion aspects of the population? I think the whole digitization drive has helped financial inclusion in a very large way in the country. The digital identity that I spoke about, which is the Aadhaar number, in fact made it possible for everyone in the country to have access to banking facilities. So you now had a digital identity which could be used for KYC purposes, gave you access to loans and other banking services. Just under in the last few years, under the uh, Jandhan initiative, as we called it in India, almost 400 million banking accounts got opened. So that is the number of people who came into the banking enclosure, if I can call, if I can call it so, and they got access to basic banking facilities. So huge push on the financial inclusion side. Uh, and I guess even on even the way City has played a role in this whole digitization journey is that we have helped our customers leverage the digital infrastructure which is available to help serve their ecosystem better, their consumers, their vendors, their suppliers. Also, Christine, in the last few years, if you see the business models of our clients has also undergone a severe change, right? And clients have found it difficult to adapt to the changing consumer needs and the changing business models. I guess what City has been able to do because of our presence in the country for so many years and the fact that we are connected to all the payment channels which is available here, we have been able to stitch solutions for them, uh, which has helped them in doing faster payments to their customers, in doing faster payments to their suppliers, or you know, facilitating faster collections of monies from their customers. So I guess what City has been able to do through our solutions is to bring together the 
digital infrastructure that is available in the country, the technology that we have, that city has invested so much in globally, which is state of the art, and put together solutions that meet the growing needs of the client. So I guess it's been an interesting journey with the clients and with the ecosystem, wherein we have city in its own way has been able to promote digital inclusion and digital growth in the country. What a fantastic journey. And it's so, it's wonderful that this digitization initiative has really been able to be pushed out to benefit the customers on the consumer side, on the corporate and commercial side, the business side, uh, both when paying as well as receiving payments. That's fantastic. What do you think that we can look forward to in the future when it comes to payments in India, Majula? That's a very interesting question because, you know, and a very tough one as well, because maybe five to seven years ago, none of us would have anticipated that payments is going to take such a sharp turn in the way it has turned out. Uh, but yeah, it's still interesting to kind of speculate as to what's going to happen in the future, uh, including things like, are we going to do payments in the metaverse finally, right? So that is something interesting uh, for debate and discussion. But I think in the immediate future, what we can expect, at least in the Indian ecosystem, uh, is probably, you know, more robustness of the digital infrastructure because though we have a lot of people on the digital platform, there is still a percentage of the population which is outside of the digital infrastructure. It is important to build new features, uh, new rails, so that we can get the unbanked, the uninitiated in digital ways of engaging, if I can call them so, onto the digital infrastructure. So there are lots of thought and initiatives underway from the central bank and the government uh, to kind of build features that can get this population onto the digital infrastructure. Uh, I think the central bank is looking at uh, CBDC or central bank digital currency as a form of digital payment for the future, which is interesting to see how things will pan out. Uh, there are several initiatives underway to connect cross-border payments between two payment infrastructures in different countries so that we can facilitate real-time and instantaneous cross-border settlement. And of course, the possibilities of whether you can use blockchain for faster settlements, I think those are unending and there is a lot of debate and discussion around the utility of blockchain as we go along. Uh, but I guess these are some of the things that we can look forward to in the Indian ecosystems, payments being more robust, payments being more widely available to a larger set of the population, and the payments being easy, frictionless, and you know, e kind of easy to use as we go along. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming our way in the future. And it's a future we're all looking forward to. Absolutely. There's so much happening here and it's all so exciting. I want to talk about this innovation and we know that innovation is, is you know, fantastic. It can benefit so many people in so many ways, but banking and innovation are two words that we don't always hear together. I, I want to ask you, Majula, can you share your thoughts on the future of banks, especially when it comes to innovation and fintech? Yeah, that's like my favorite uh, topic, Christy, because I think it drives so much ideation and it challenges us in a, in a great way every day, right? Uh, but I think 
things have changed a lot for banks and uh, it's not it no longer banks can be divorced from innovation right because it's basic license to survive as i see uh, especially the dynamic environment that we are living in everything around us is changing so rapidly and technology is driving so much of that change right if banks cannot have their arms around what is going to happen in the future how a consumer needs going to change what is it that corporates need as we go into the future it will become very difficult for us to be able to provide adequate value to our clients and more and more we can see that banks recognize this need uh, banks now have innovation labs some of them have full fledged innovation labs almost like our pharma companies have r&d centers they have designated teams looking at innovation they have chief innovation officers even city has uh, in the transaction banking space and tts has two innovation labs in dublin and singapore where we are constantly working on new prototypes of how how the future solutions should be so i think the future for banks is obviously to embrace innovation in a big way it has to become mainstream just like the way we do other banking services and only then we will have the ability to meet the needs of our clients and stay ahead of the future trends uh, otherwise the world will change around us and we will no longer be relevant and that i guess that recognition that realization is there with most of the bank and uh, wherever possible we are taking help from fintech we are collaborating with them where it helps us to provide better value for our clients but most banks on their own as well are looking at innovation as an independent vertical and spending enough time money and resources on innovation and innovative solutions for the future well it sounds like an exciting future i'm really looking forward to it at so many levels i want to switch gears a little bit majula and talk about esg Sustainability seems to be the talk of the town with global corporations having ESG agendas and targets and global organizations, of course, like City, often the the forerunners. Can you share some of the initiatives that City has taken uh, in India in the context of ESG? Yeah, another very interesting uh, topic, Christy, that, you know, that is slowly gaining awareness. I wouldn't say that everyone is fully seized of what we need to do under the ESG agenda or what it even means for them but i can see that most companies at least the large ones have set out ESG goals for themselves right city city also under james leadership has set out a net zero emission target by 2015 so we all have goals now uh, for ESG delivery In the India context, I would say there's still a lot of work needs to be done just to create that awareness about ESG in the ecosystem, whether with small corporates, large corporates. What we have been doing in the city India TTS world is essentially we want to approach ESG with two or three lenses. One is that how can we, with our expertise that we have and the global expertise from ESG, how can we create more awareness amongst our corporates on why an ESG priority is essential, why they should have a KPI around ESG? And towards that, we've done a couple of things. We we've created collateral that explains the concept. Uh, we have gotten uh, experts who can come and talk to some of the clients on. how they can go about setting their ESG goals 
we've also created an ESG dashboard, which helps them convert their digital initiatives into measurable carbon emission save numbers. So we are helping them quantify if they pursue certain goals, what is the benefit that they can see? And they can actually they've quantified it in a number sense by using international standards of conversion. So I guess the first step is to create awareness amongst customers. And parallelly, we are also trying to create products and solutions which are ESG compliant and can help our clients meet their ESG goals. Uh, the first and the immediate one that we have done is in the trade finance space. Uh, wherein we have given trade loans to customers which are ESG compliant. Uh, we are also trying to do financing to their suppliers which are ESG compliant. So financing is the first way in which we have started uh, trying to create this awareness amongst customers and trying to get them to comply with some ESG goals. And I think it's a continuous process. It's very nascent, this concept. It's just being understood by people uh, so a long way to go, but at least we have started on the journey. At least our personal ambition is that in the next four to five years, at least 50% of our trade lending book should be ESG compliant. But let's see where we go with that. But at least the, uh, we have the intention and the effort is there. But as I said, a lot of people have to come together. Another important point is policy and regulation. I guess a lot of acceleration will come if you have a policy framework or you have a regulatory framework under which banks and corporates alike are required to have some ESG goals. Uh, the reason why I'm saying this, especially in the India context, uh, we've always had goals set given to banks for priority sector lending, which is lending to certain areas like agriculture, small businesses, etc. And in a portion of our lending has to go to these segments. That has really helped in increasing lending to these segments, which otherwise may not have had easy access to bank finance. So there is, there is a way to emulate the same success that we've had in the priority sector space by forming some regulation and a guiding framework in the ESG space as well. But I guess lots of work is underway and there is thought around this and all of us need to do collectively more work uh, to make ESG a real goal and a real possibility for clients. Well, that's so important and it's great that city's leadership is really helping to to promote that agenda across the industry with your creating awareness, you know, helping companies with their dashboards, um, creating ESG compliant products that are, you know, certainly helpful to, to get it out into the market, but also the policies and regulations, both within um, the organization, but nationally helping us to, to get to where we really need to be. Thank you for sharing that. It's been such a really interesting discussion, Majula, and I want to sadly conclude the discussion with a question that I ask all of our pause for payments guests. And that is, if you were giving career advice to some of the rising stars in our audience, what would that be? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. And I, um, you know, I think we're also just concluded the International Women's Day Week. So it is something that I have personally given a lot of thought to as to what should we collectively do uh, to kind of 
you know, work on the goals that we have set for ourselves as far as diversity is concerned. Uh, but just a couple of things that uh, has worked for me and I would like to share with um, everyone uh, is that I think often we, we tend to get too critical or too harsh with ourselves. Uh, we set goals which are difficult and we really push ourselves to get to that, which is good. But I would just urge all my colleagues to ensure that it's to ensure that you do not burn out in the process or you do not start getting frustrated in the process. So it is not necessary to be too harsh upon yourself or, to, or be very self-critical. The second thing I would say is that try and create or try and cultivate a skill that also becomes your brand and you stand for that because that is a great way for you to get visibility, for you to stand out in what otherwise can be a very competitive environment. Uh, so like, for example, you know, get to know more about payments, be an expert in payments or crypto or blockchain or whatever it is, right? Or, or, or you know, any of the other social causes. Try and find something that you can associate yourself with and you can stand out. The other thing that I always urge all my women leaders and anyone else who kind of who I work with is that I think there is a responsibility on each one of us who has made it through the journey to be able to support others who need help and who have just started on the journey. So always try and see if there are people whom you can reach out to and support and help them because you don't want them revisiting, reinventing everything that you have gone through. And the last point that I want to make, and this is a new thought which has been coming in my mind, is around male allyship. I think for long we have been journey ahead all by ourselves, but it is very important to have male allies in the process because they are the ones who will be a major force in bringing about the change. So as women leaders, I guess if we could take it upon ourselves to create male allies who truly believe in the process and the power of women and their ability to be very successful in the workplace. And if that happens, I think it's just a force accelerator and we will get to the destination that all of us want to get to much faster. So these are some of my thoughts for all my women colleagues who are listening. Well, these are absolutely really, really fantastic insights, Madrila. I love that. They be easy on yourself. Don't be too harsh. Often women are very critical and demanding of themselves. And uh, you know, just trying to recognize that and not over expect too much. Um, developing your own skills to build that personal brand is really important and paying it forward to other women to help them climb that corporate ladder as well is hugely important. But I think the male allyship is really key. And we've seen it this year with the theme from International Women's Day, the, the break the bias theme. And, you know, we at Women in Payments did a whole um, panel session on International Women's Day, May, March 8th, uh, with four male speakers talking about how do we break that bias? How do we help women to succeed and become the leaders that we know they can be across the payments industry and beyond? So very sage words of advice. Thank you, Madrilla. Thank you, Christy.
This has been a fabulous discussion. We've gone in so many different places talking about the digital agenda of India as they move into digitization across payments and all industry sectors. We've talked about financial inclusion, um, so much opportunity in, in India, and we can only hope for more progress. We've talked about the future of payments going from, you know, where we were last decade, last century, pre-COVID, it seems, to the new exciting world of real-time payments and central bank digital currencies and financial inclusion and more robust digital infrastructures, not to mention, you know, where we're going with ESG, I think, in India and around the world. All really fantastic topics. Majula, thank you so much for this discussion. It's been really insightful. Thank you, Christy. Thank you for having me here. And uh, I think you're doing a wonderful job with the Women's in Payment. Uh, really, truly inspiration for all of us. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank our audience as well for listening as we explore the exciting world of payments uh, from around the world, from exciting women who have fabulous jobs like Madrilla and other fantastic women from around the world of payments. Thanks, everybody. Pause for Payments is produced by Women in Payments, and you can learn more about us at womeninpayments.org. You can also sign up to be a member and gain access to our global membership portal, where you'll find the latest industry trends, exciting career opportunities, and so much more, all created by women for women. All of our episodes can be found on many good podcast streaming platforms. And if you enjoy today's podcast, please remember to rate and subscribe. It really helps us to get found by others. Thanks everyone for listening.